Welcome to the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs show, a safe place for women to heal and grow, where we discover our value, share our tears as we go through the hard times and rise up as we become empowered to meet our challenges head on. This week's episode of Tiara's Tears and Triumphs follows on from last week's episode, which focuses on ways to heal your relationship with money after going through financial trauma. Are you one of the 99% of women who have been financially abused in an abusive relationship? If you are, then that figure of 99% should reassure you that you are not alone. Almost every woman who has been in an abusive relationship also experiences financial abuse. And like everything in life, there is a spectrum and you will find yourself somewhere on this spectrum of financial instability that this experience or the experiences that you have had in that abusive relationships have left you with and that have created this feeling in you in your life but just because you may have more than somebody else does not necessarily mean that you are feeling any more financially stable than another person who has gone through similar experiences So we will all respond differently to what we've been through and but there is going to be this vein of instability somewhere that has been left, an imprint that has been left from the experiences that you have been through. And feelings of instability can run really deep and cause many, many insecurities and fears that are not just about money. And these insecurities that come from this financial instability can just have a ripple effect. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the way that financial instability and insecurity has a ripple effect on areas of confidence in your life with all different aspects of life, not just money management. So this is why it's so important to heal your relationship with money. And it's so important for somebody who's experienced some financial trauma to have some savings tips. So that's what you're going to get today. You're going to get some savings tips. And the second point of focus of this conversation today is going to be on saving money and why this is so important for someone who has experienced financial abuse and trauma. So let's open the door on this week's episode. Just a caution, if you feel unsafe at any time, please stop listening. You can come back anytime you are in a safe place to listen to the rest of the podcast. Your safety is the most important thing to consider. Hello and welcome to this episode about healing your relationship with money. First of all, I just want to ask you how secure you are feeling about your financial position right now. 
that's the place we're going to start. If you could give it a number between 1 and 10, with 1 being feeling really worried about your financial position to 10 being I'm feeling really confident about my financial position right now. Where do you sit on that spectrum? What number has come up for you as being the true number of how you feel right now? So I want you to be really, really honest. This is not about how you would like to feel in an ideal world or it's not about you faking it until you make it. This is you getting in touch with how you truly feel about the level of financial security that you have at this time. So now if you've given yourself a low score, I don't want you to beat yourself up on top of this because there is no shame in this exercise. And shame is something that I want you to let go of to help you to heal from your experiences in the past. So you can't get ahead in life if you don't know where you are right now. So you need to know your starting point. And that's why I want you to be super honest about your starting point now with how you are relating to your financial security and the sense of stability that you have financially in your life right now. Be super honest and just what is that number for you between 1 and 10? And remember what I said earlier, how much you have will not necessarily be a reflection of how you feel about what you have because the fear of not having enough can exist even when you have what someone else might look at and see as financial security. I'm going to give you an example from my own life. So I married my first husband when I was quite young. I was 24 at the time that we got married. He was quite financially established when I came into his life and he was somewhat older than me. So he, came, he had assets when he had a couple of apartments when we got married, um, which he sold and we bought a home together. So we had a beautiful home and my name was on the title of that home. So unfortunately, the marriage didn't last. And, and when I said I do to my first husband, I thought it was going to be the rest of my life that I would be married to this man. And we had a child and, um, and she's the apple of our eye, absolutely nothing that we wouldn't do for our child. But I found, and I knew this already, the, you know, the red flags were already there at the beginning of the relationship, that he was temperamental, that he was, um, on one hand, he was like Dr. Jekyll, and then on the other hand, he was like Mr. Hyde. So he would flip. And, you know, he could be extremely loving and very caring and charming. And these are the qualities that I was attracted to in the, the first place. This is the man that I fell in love with. But he, he would turn when he, when he was under a lot of stress and he would make me feel as though I was being absolute nuisance 
um, by just existing and um, because his life was so stressful. And so I didn't know where I fit with all of that. And he would get really angry and I'd have to bear the brunt of his angry outbursts. I was his wife. I lived with him. I loved him. And um, and I would, you know, stand by and take whatever anger was being vented. I thought that it was my duty to ride these storms of, of the relationships and so I took on a really submissive role and I really internalised the pain and the anguish that I was experiencing from those angry outbursts and I had no idea how this was really impacting on me. But um, what this was effectively was me being in a relationship where I was always walking on eggshells. So this is my first taste of a relationship which had a lot of anger and um and volatility in it so that's what I guess I saw as being quite normal about the way that um a husband and wife you know related to each other so it, I wasn't coming from a very healthy place in and uh, you know I know that I am you know I have been in the past, I have been a people pleaser. And so that was the role that I took on in that relationship was to try and appease and please my husband. But after some time of just suppressing the way that this was making me feel, it started, I couldn't keep pretending. It started to manifest in a mix of mental and physical problems. And that's what will happen. You know, we'll either internalize things and then eventually it's going to catch up with us and it's going to come out some way. And or you externalize it and you become reactive. And that can then, you know, you can say things that you regret or behave in ways that you regret too. So it's, you know, it's a learning curve of finding a way to communicate things in a responsive way to the situation rather than doing two damaging things. One internalizing and the other is externalizing. So I was at that time internalizing so much of the pain that I was feeling from these angry outbursts. And the way that this manifested for me is I started to have panic attacks every single day. And I wouldn't know when these were going to come over me and I didn't know how long they were going to last. So basically, I was a nervous wreck. You know, I was backwards and forwards to the doctors thinking there's something seriously wrong with me physically. I felt like I was dying each time I had one of these attacks. So this really, I couldn't ignore this problem that um, was confronting me on a daily basis. And so what, what I did is I projected 10 years into the future and I knew that I could not stay in a relationship that made me feel this way. And um, I just felt so sure when I projected forward, 10 years forward, I thought, I won't be alive. This will kill me. And so we separated and eventually divorced. And that, again, was a very, very stressful time. 
So the reason that I'm telling you about this is because I was financially in a strong position when I received my financial settlement with my then husband. So I had over $100,000 capital to reinvest. Plus, I was receiving spousal support and child support on top of it. And it wasn't, you'll hear with, you know, lots of people that with child support that they are lucky to be given the bare minimum from their um, ex-husbands or their ex-partners because um, their ex-partners will hide money and hide income so that it looks as though they're on a very low income and then at the end of the day they're trying to punish you but at the end of the day they're punishing their child as well by withholding, you know, what their child should receive. Now, my then husband did the, the right thing and he was paying a generous amount of child support and spousal support to make sure that my financial needs and, and our daughter's financial needs would be taken care of. So I was in what was my right, the position that was in my legal right to be in, but in comparison to a lot of other women who are coming out the other side of a breakdown in a relationship, I was in a really strong financial position at that time. But do you think I felt that way? I didn't. I felt very far from being financially secure. I felt really scared and insecure about that what lay ahead for me in the future. Basically, I was filled with fear that this would, wouldn't be enough to start over, that this wasn't enough for me to rebuild a new life with. So if you're listening to the words that I'm using, not enough, you know, isn't going to be enough, that it's, it's coming from a place of lack, it's coming from a place of scarcity. That's where my mindset was. So this is my personal experience. This is my lived experience. And hindsight is a truly wonderful thing. So in, in years after that, subsequent years, when I lost that capital and no longer had the privilege of receiving any spousal support or child support, I always found a way to manage. I did. I always managed to keep my head above water. Was it easy? No, it wasn't easy. But why I'm saying this is because my fear manifested what I feared. So now when I look back, I can clearly see that I was in a really strong position, but my mind was not in a strong position. And this is quite understandable. So my mindset was very focused on lack and scarcity. And so that is what I manifested in my next relationship. I fell from the frying pan into the fire with someone who used and abused me until I had nothing left. So did I beat myself up about this? Yes, you bet I did. I was super hard on myself, but not just for losing my financial interests, but for not appreciating what a fantastic position I was in. I knew that I had done myself a great disservice by doing that. So, 
you know, I really wish that I had the confidence back then to say, yes, this is a great place to start the next chapter of my life. That's what I want you to be able to do no matter what you've got right now. I want you to know that you can rebuild whatever your position is. So, I, you know, I don't have, you know, when I came out of that, you know, I, I lost the storybook house with the swimming pool. But what I needed to be able to say is I can reinvest in an asset that will appreciate in value over time. So I was so impatient expecting that my life should be rebuilt the second that I left that marriage. I was broken on many levels and I needed to give myself the compassion, the time and the space to heal from that. So I completely lacked confidence in myself and in my ability to figure out the things that I did not know. So do I beat myself up about this still? No, I don't. I don't. I Now I am compassionate with myself and I remind myself that I did the best that I could with what I knew at the time. So we all make mistakes, but that doesn't mean that it has to define us for the rest of our lives. These mistakes are opportunities for us to learn. And one of the biggest lessons that I needed to learn is that I needed to heal my outlook on money and my ability to manage money and make money. So these three things are the things that help us to feel secure. When we are confident in these three areas, that we, that's when we can close the door on fearfulness and open the door to new opportunities to learn how to manage our money better and make more money. So this is the key. This is what I want you to take a hold of, that the first thing that you need to do is to change your outlook, no matter what you have right now. And this runs deeper than just your outlook. You need to feel this change of attitude too. It is never enough just to change your self-talk unless you are bringing in the right feeling, the right emotion, your subconscious mind just won't grab a hold of it and rewire your brain to think differently. And this is where the change needs to happen. It needs to happen on a deep level. It needs to happen in your subconscious mind. So winning the lottery might be on your wish list just as it has been on mine for many years. But what I want you to do to turn things around in your life when it comes to the way you feel about your financial stability is to start working on your outlook and not make winning the lottery make you feel secure in your life. It needs to start before that. And I'm not saying it's not possible for you to win the lottery or for me to win the lottery. I'm just saying that don't wait for the lottery to be your financial security, the answer to your financial security. Okay, so this goes for whether you have money in reserve or you have an asset or you have spousal support or you have child support. 
Okay, so no matter what you've got, because if you think it is not enough, whatever you have, and you are worried that it won't be enough for you to rebuild your life, then guess what? (laughs) You are 100% right. So as the old Chinese proverb goes, if you think you can, you can. If you think you can't, you can't. But it is super important to be honest with yourself and where you are at right now in your thinking about your financial security because this is the place that you can begin to heal your beliefs from. Now, I'm not saying that women don't have it tougher than men when it comes to financial security. Women have many more disruptions in their working life than men, and there is still a lot of inequality when it comes to rates of pay for men and women. And that's not what this conversation is about, because that exists, that those problems shouldn't exist. Abuse in relationships shouldn't exist. There are many things in this world that should not exist, but we have to keep working on improving what we can so taking what is in our control and making the best possible use of what is in our control and this is where you will become empowered so this is why I'm doing this podcast because I want to use what is in my control which is my voice which is my experience to be able to share that with others to help create a ripple effect of change in other people's lives, in your life. So this conversation is here to get you to start changing your outlook about your financial security because if you stay in a state of fear and you keep thinking that men will always get further in life financially, then you're not doing yourself any favours. It's a waste of your energy. And I want you to be putting your energy into constructive things, things that are going to create better outcomes in your life. So this is one of those times where there, this is not about anyone else. So don't go comparing yourself to another divorcee or another woman who has had to start over after leaving an abusive relationship or couples that you see where it looks like they have everything with the house, the car, the holidays, etc. Or men who you see who seem to have this monopoly on everyone else when it comes to money. I want you to forget them, all of them, and I want you to just focus on you and what you think about your own financial security and just as importantly how you feel about your financial security. What you want to do is feel like you have that to feel like what you have is enough on which to rebuild and that you do have the ability to learn what you need to learn to strengthen your money management skills and that you have the ability to derive income to help you strengthen your financial security. So let's turn that into an affirmation that you can say to help you change your outlook. Believe me, if you want to turn things around from feeling like a victim of your circumstances to becoming empowered in your life to make choices for a life that will bring you peace, joy, 
satisfaction and fulfillment, then you need to work on this foundation piece with financial security. So you may in time even surpass this feeling of having security. And I'm just going to give you a little example of this because this goes more into a a profound spiritual realm, okay? And this is something really to aspire to. If you really want to bring about peace in your life, then this is what you may like to aspire to. So I have had many travellers come and stay with me from different parts of the world. And they are inspirational because they're free from worry about financial security. They have just such a wonderful trust in life that life will provide what they need no matter where they are. So they often have next to no money and they are always open to connecting with opportunities to have their needs provision met. So they're not anxious or desperate about how this will unfold. They just keep exploring different paths to see which path will help them meet their needs. They are incredibly resourceful and the other quality that they all possess is they are very flexible. So they're very quick to adapt. They are not fixed and they're not fearful. So I've given these travellers a roof over their head, a bed to sleep in and meals to feed them. And they receive all of this in exchange for giving me some hands-on help around the house. So it is what you call a value exchange. So money doesn't always need to play a part in having everything provided for in life. And this is a really great concept to try and take a hold of because this will help you on a deeper level to understand that what is in your bank account is not a reflection of your needs always being met, that you will have your needs met on a much deeper level with value exchanges. And this is very possible to create this in your life once you become connected and open again. So having an openness and a willingness to connect will help you to create those opportunities that you need to have value exchanges happen. And they're wonderful. They're so enriching on so many levels. So with what I did with these travellers, we both had our needs met in this exchange and the bonus is always been that there has been a warm and lasting connection with another human being because we've both had a willingness to explore a value exchange rather than a money exchange. So have a a little think about that because this is just falling a little bit outside of the money story but it is still very relevant to this conversation now I'm not saying that you should be living this way all the time or that you shouldn't have money in the equation most of these travelers have had finished their high school and or they were taking a break year from university and studies 
you know, it's usually a gap year. And so they're using that time to explore other parts of the world. And Australia had been on the, their list of destinations that they wanted to travel to. So I'm just using that example um, just to show you how much freedom there can be when you let go of fearfulness and start trusting in yourself and trusting in others and trusting in life and trusting in the universe. So this is, this is something that is an evolution okay it takes time and the way that you can build on this is by having experiences so allowing yourself to start with small experiences when you have a positive outcome with that experience then that will give you the confidence that you need to then have a bigger experience than that and it will help you to heal your life so this type of attitude that I was talking about with value exchange, you know, it clears the blocks and it allows us to be open to new opportunities. Okay, I promised you an affirmation, so here it is. I want you to say, I trust in myself and in life to create what I need to allow me to flourish and grow in all areas of life. So write down that little affirmation, stick it on your bathroom mirror, or if you're like me, I've got a mirror that's a little cupboard, it goes on the inside of my cupboard, and in the mornings I will say my affirmation at the beginning of the day. It's really great. The reason why mirror meditations are so effective is because you're looking yourself in the eye when you're saying it. You are engaging with yourself when you're looking in the mirror. So I, it will mean more. It will... Um, it will seep in on a deeper level when you say these affirmations in the mirror. So make a commitment to yourself to write that affirmation down and to pop that on your bathroom mirror and to say it for 30 days, okay? You can change those words however you like as long as it's a positive now statement. So you need to make affirmations in the now, not in some time in the future, but as if you already have this in your life right now. Okay, now that we've spent this time talking about your mindset, let's change the focus a little to savings and why savings are so important to women who have experienced financial abuse and trauma. Plus, I'm going to share some tips to save money too. So it's all well and good to tell you to save money, but you need to know the why to give you the motivation to do it in the first place. If you don't have a savings goal, then you won't have the motivation to keep saving. So you need to get really specific. So before we get started on this next part, I just want to to mention that this series is connected to the Money Mindset Journal and Freedom Planner. And this free ebook that I've created is to help you to heal your relationship with money and to improve your financial literacy to help you manage your money better. So 
none of the tips that I am sharing with you in these episodes should be considered as financial advice or financial counselling, okay? I am not a financial advisor and I am not a financial counsellor. I am a NLP life coach and I am a money-minded financial literacy coach and that's where my focus is in what I share with you. So if you have not downloaded the free ebook yet, just go to the episode notes and find the link to download it there. It has printable templates to help you through each of the exercises. Now, the why, it, it is so important for you to save, you know, may vary depending on what your goals are. But the underlying reason why it is important for women who have experienced financial trauma and abuse to save is because this will give you the positive reinforcement in black and white that you have some financial security. If you have nothing in reserve, then those insecurities that you have been feeling around money and around your financial security and just in life in general, that all of those insecurities can easily resurface. So I know for me, it is important for me to see that I have a level of savings. And if I see that amount decreasing, then my focus is automatically on building it back up again, because I know that this makes me feel secure. I like to feel as though I have something to fall back upon and something to invest as well. Now, the amount that you decide to save, uh, you know, or what you want to have as your buffer, you you know, is very, very individual. It really is up to you. You have to work out what feels right to you as a savings buffer. It's going to be very different for you than it is for me. So when it comes to savings goals, it's really good to use the SMART method. So if you are not familiar with the SMART method, I want you to go back to episode 80 and that specifically goes through the SMART goals, explains what they are and how to apply those. So when you set SMART goals, they can help you realise your dreams and your desires. When you get clear on what you're saving for, you will get the motivation that you need to look for money leaks in your spending as a way to achieve your goal. So what do I mean by a spending leak? What is a money leak? Being able to save doesn't necessarily need you to have more income to be able to save. So uh, so it's not more income. A money leak is not more income. A money leak comes from money that you are spending already that is not necessary. So let's work out what we need to do to learn a bit more about, um, about money leaks. So I'll just give you an, a bit of an example. So I don't, but the the point I want to make too is that, you know, don't let um, not having more income be a block to you saving, okay, because this tip about money leaks and finding money leaks 
can be the way for you to actually start saving. So right now you might be thinking something like I'm only just able to scrape by week to week. So savings is not something that I can do. Okay, so if this is you, then I want you to take a look at your spending for a month. So I don't want you to wait for a month. I want you to go back and look at your last month's spending. And it might not necessarily just be looking at your account because you might want to get a bit more specific and you might want to look at your grocery bills as well and have a look at where the money's being spent there. Now, so I want you to separate your spending for that month into two lists, okay? The first list is for things that you need. So needs are things that you can't live without. They're essential items, okay? And the funny thing is, is that needs will be different for each of us. And it's not for me to tell you that a need might actually be a want, that won't serve any productive purpose, okay? So these suggestions that I make in this episode, you just take on board, you know, it's the principle, it's the idea, but the actual thing might be a need for you and not a want. So you'll have to look at what you're spending your money on and you will have to be the judge of whether you need that thing or maybe you don't really need it and you want it. So, um, okay, so what is left from your spending for the month that is a want and that's the second part of the list and I want you to be brutally honest with yourself about what is a want okay so maybe I'm going to use an example and maybe you want or it might be a need for you but I'm going to use this example as a potential want okay so maybe there's a takeaway coffee that you get every morning to kickstart your day and you really want to put it onto your need list but then you have a look at that six dollars a day that you're spending five days a week and you multiply that by 52 weeks and suddenly the $30 that you've saved yourself from making a coffee at home instead has added up to a whopping $1,560 in a year. So this is what I mean about becoming brutally honest because that thing that you think that you need when you get brutally honest with yourself and you say, well, I don't have to get a takeaway coffee every single day, maybe you'll treat yourself to a takeaway coffee, you know, one day a week or two days a week, there'll still be a saving there for you in making that change. So it's about looking for those leaks and that would be an idea of what a leak looks like in your budget. And maybe that money that I talked about, that $1,560 that you saved by making your coffee at home, and maybe, yes, it's not as great as that coffee that that cafe makes. It's just, you know, the bomb, but, you know, you have saved that money. And that money is money that you need for Christmas, or maybe it's money that you need for a little holiday. So you have a look at your needs, you know, and you have to look at your needs 
all of your needs and say, is this need a bigger need than the other need? And that will help you to really distinguish about whether a need is really a need or maybe there's a bigger goal that you want to achieve and, you know, foregoing that small need like that coffee is going to mean that you will be able to, you know, save that money for Christmas. That means that you're going to have peace of mind at Christmas. You're not going to be stressing. You know that you've got the money there set aside for the Christmas presents and you can just relax and enjoy Christmas instead of stressing about Christmas and thinking, oh, my goodness, now I've got to catch up with credit card payments, um, which are going to be costing me extra in interest rates because I didn't have that buffer there for Christmas. So, or maybe that money is, you know, is going to make the difference between you going on a holiday with your kids or not for the year. So maybe foregoing that cup of coffee is going to be worth it. So that means that you have that experience with your kids. It's going to be one of those memory building experiences that you all have that will bring you closer as a family and give you the time away that you deserve. And going away is really, really valuable. So um, it always gives you a fresh outlook when you go away. So this is something really good that, you know, something small, it's just an example of how something small can make a massive difference. So now giving, having given that example of saving for spending in the future, let's just take a minute to talk about different types of saving. Um, so if you are saving to spend on something specific like those examples I used, then you may want to open a fixed term savings account where you cannot withdraw from that account for a fixed period and the reason why this is great is it's great when you have a tendency to dip into your money reserves because the money is there so if this is you then you might eat into your savings and miss out on achieving that longer term goal so that's the beauty of having a fixed term account it might be really annoying at the time because you can see that there's money in this account you think I need money for these other things but you can't touch it um, but you find that you can manage without having to touch the money in that account so it's perfect for things that like those examples things like seasonal spending that you know fixed term accounts are great for that so if you have um, kids you know returning to school there's always lots of expenses at that time of the year when kids are going back to school so maybe you want to have a fixed term savings account set up for Christmas and for returning to school and you know that all of these important things are going to be covered and you're not going to be scrambling to find the money at that time of the year because you haven't created that savings buffer. So it's a really great feeling when you know that you've got that peace of mind that the money is adding up and it will be there at the time when you need it. It'll make a huge difference to you and the way that you feel.
rather than that gnawing anxiety of, oh, I know it's coming and, you know, am I going to have enough? So you might have a longer-term savings plan where you're saving for something like a new car or maybe a deposit for a house. Again, you don't necessarily have to have extra income to do this, but you do need to have a budget. And we are going to talk about the hated B word next week. But for now, I will just say that once you know your budget, you may want to do an automatic deduction from your income whenever you receive it, that that goes to a dedicated account for the express purpose of saving for this longer-term goal. So you might also like to look for spending legs to supplement this. Again, you don't need to earn more to be able to start saving. You just need to skim a little off what you earn consistently to work on your goal and eventually achieve it. So with the example of let's say you earn $600 net a week, so that's what you have come into your account each week and you deduct just 5% of that each week, you will again have $30 a week going into a savings account. And then let's just say that you went through your grocery bill and you reduced, you managed to reduce your grocery bill by $30 per week and this went into this savings account too. Then suddenly in a year, you will have saved $3,120. So this is the way to achieve your savings goals is by getting consistent with your savings. So if you do small amounts regularly, then you can achieve your goal and you can work backwards with your savings goals too and say, all right, so I want to save, you know, $3,000 in a year. There's 52 weeks in the year. How much money do I need to save each week to be able to achieve this? And when you've done that, then you can then go and have a look at your budget and or you can have a look at your account and you can look at your income and see what percentage you might be able to just nick off the top and put into a dedicated account. And again, you might be going and through your um, your spending and you might go through it with a fine tooth comb and just pull out all the unnecessary stuff that you don't really need and, you know, find the ways then to achieve that goal that you want to achieve. So as I said, one of the biggest tricks to achieving savings goals is being consistent. So when you're able to make consistent deposits, you will achieve your goal. So it's much better to set up an automatic deduction from your account into another account to make it an absolute no-brainer. You don't have to think about what you're doing, then it's just going to happen. And because if you rely upon yourself making these deposits into another account, um, life gets really busy. And we've got facilities now to set up automatic deductions to make it really easy. So we don't have to spend our precious time 
making, you know, finding that time each week at the same time to do that thing. You may prefer to do it that way and that's entirely up to you. But I'm just saying why setting up deductions, automatic deductions can be a really smart idea because it really is saves you time and you don't have to think about it. You don't have to stress about it. It's just done. Okay, so it's great to start small with savings goals. I really recommend this for um, for you if you have gone through financial trauma um, because if you set yourself a massive goal to begin with, then you may be disappointed because you may not achieve this goal and that may set you back and make you discouraged to and make you feel like you've failed as a saver. So it's much better to start small and just set yourself a small savings goal and uh, something that you are not going to fail at. So something where you are able to set up a simple automatic deduction achieve that amount you've as I said work working backwards can be a fantastic way of doing this if you know how much you want to have saved then you can work out how many you know at what time you've allotted to saving this you can work backwards and then work out how much that will work out to per week for you to be saving and then you can find where that money can come from from what you receive um, consistently and also from looking at those money leaks or spending leaks that you've got. So something else that you, will help you to feel good is to set aside some money just for you. This is so, so important. And this money is not for spending, okay, It's and it's not for saving for a long-term spending goal, okay. This I want you to have an account that shows you that you always have money. This will really help you psychologically, okay? It'll help you to bolster your confidence and it'll help you to change your relationship with money. So again, I can't emphasise this enough, just start off small. If you so I'm going to use an example based on, say, you know, you are earning $600 net per week. Then you take off 2% each week. So that'll give you, that 2% will give you $624 in a year just for you, okay? It might not sound like much, but this will increase over time and, again, you may find another spending leak and be able to add another, say, $13 per week. And if you just have find another $13 in a week, that this will give you another $676 in a year. And that brings it up to $1,300 in a year of, of just what is there for you to say, I always have money. And It'll make you feel great to see that accruing over time. And that is like a marker for you to see yourself rebuilding financially, that you have something and that you will always have something. And not only that you will always have something, but that money is growing. It's accruing. You are moving forward. So you will 
you just feel so good knowing that this money is amassing and you'll always have money. So again, as I said, all these tips that I'm giving are not financial advice, but because I live in Australia, I just want to give you an example of what I do. And because I'm a business owner, I make regular deposits into my superannuation, um, you know, beyond what I'm required to do as I know that this money, that that's going to be available for me in my retirement years. So that's my way of setting aside money regularly for me, knowing that my long-term financial future is being taken care of. So this is, you know, a message that I'm sending to myself that I don't need to worry because it is going to be there for me at the end of the day when I need it. So let's run through a few more tips to save money, okay? So if you have a credit card, if you can live without it, that'd be fabulous because they're not the ideal thing to have. If you can pay it off because this way you'll have money to put towards savings instead of using that money to just make interest payments on something that you have that is going to cost you, end up costing you 10 times more because you've paid for it on a credit card. Now, as I said before, open a savings account or open savings accounts. And remember that fixed-term savings accounts are great because you can't touch that money for a fixed term. So it's out of temptation's way. So I want you to also take a look at your recurring expenses. Why? Because there are more than likely recurring expenses that are things like subscriptions that are draining your account that you may not need. A lot of services and resources you can get for free, but because premium accounts are always, they come with, you know, like seemingly affordable, um, that makes it very tempting to go premium. So, but a premium is not always needed. And you, it just say, for instance, you're paying an $11 monthly, like $11 on a monthly subscription for something, that's going to cost you close to $600 for a year. So if you weren't on a premium account and you were on a free account, that $600 might be used for savings for something. Okay, so this next one is a big one <laughs> and it might challenge you a little bit, okay, but control your impulses. Control your impulses. Sorry, I know this is often so much easier said than done because there are always temptations there for us. But a good thing to remind yourself of is that things only bring you fleeting satisfaction and they may feel um may make you feel more pressured and worried about your financial situation after you have you know given into that impulse and bought them so i'm just going to go back to my example of when i divorced my husband and i was receiving spousal support for a time 
Um, but because of the way I, the way I looked at that time, you know, made me feel really good about myself. So what I would do is I would buy new outfits a lot of the time. They made me feel good. And with the money I had on hand, I thought there wasn't any harm in treating myself. So on one hand, I was really, really worried about my financial future. And on the other hand, I was spending up because I felt as though I needed to treat myself after everything that I've been through and it was making me feel better. So it really was shopping therapy. But at its finest, really. But then, you know, I was still left with these, you know, underlying feelings of insecurity about my financial foundation. I like spending. We've all, you know, heard about shopping therapy and many of us will have been there and may still be there trying to fill that void and trying to treat ourselves and make ourselves feel better with the feel-good hormones being released when we have that instant gratification when we get something new and um, we take a look at ourselves in the mirror and we like the way we look and I'm not saying don't treat yourself please don't think I'm not I'm, I, that I'm saying that because that's not what I'm saying but I think it's really good to be aware of shopping impulses okay and I'm certainly not perfect I've been there and I've done that but I've learned that many of the things that I had convinced myself that I needed, I could have very easily lived without. And I would have, and if I would have made a choice to live without some of those things, that, that would have helped me with my feelings of insecurity because I would have had more money in my account. So this is all I'm saying is that you you will feel better when you feel like you're more in control of your money and you can see your money is appreciating, you can see your money is amassing, is accruing. That's where you'll feel better rather than this quick fix of shopping therapy that shopping therapy gives us. So, but only you know if you're prone to doing shopping therapy or if you buy things on impulse. So if you find it hard to control your impulses, try to make your money a bit more of a stretch for you to get to, to help you think twice about using it on impulse, okay? Marketing is so, so clever. It preys on our desires and fills us full of FOMO, you know, the fear of missing out. And it's often advertised in such an alluring way that makes you think that it is somehow going to solve your problems. Now, you are not alone in being seduced by the allure of marketing and it is everywhere these days and it doesn't even look like advertising most of the time because social media has people promoting this thing and that thing and it just all seems like a friend telling you about something that's great and you're just going to love it. So, you know, if you get it, it's going to make things all better. So if you make sure that your spending account has less money in it, 
so that it is clearly there for what you know needs to be covered in your weekly budget, you will be less tempted because you won't have that false sense that money is there because you have left all the money in that account. Another way that you can save money is to make automatic deductions with regular bills. To do this, it might be something like an, an electricity bill and you can look at what you paid in electricity in the year just gone and average that out over 52 weeks and then make 52 payments of whatever that average amount is to your electricity supplier. So if there is a shortfall that you see after some time, then you're able to adjust those payments, you know, in a way that is going to make it, um, make you be able to pay off that adjustment okay so big bills can make a big dent and can leave you in a cycle of just building up that buffer where you're feeling like oh it's nice I've got some money back in my account again to then bringing you right back down to zero again so this is by having automatic deductions on big bills um, where you've got to have things like utilities and you know that they're going to happens throughout the year, this can really take the pressure off because that money's just coming out in small amounts incrementally over the year. So it's not going to hit you all at once. So you may not be able to account for all of your big bills. So there's always unforeseen expenses in life. You can't, you know, when you do your budget, and we'll go over that in the next episode you can't possibly work out exactly what your spending is going to be over the year and that is one of the reasons why people find it so hard to budget so what what it means too when it is that you just can't always see these big expenses coming because it's not a utility bill it might be something like your computer dies and you need to replace it or your iPhone has broken and you need a new iPhone. So I'm not going to go into whether or not, you know, like what you should be doing and in terms of buying different sorts of things. But technology in general can be expensive and these types of unexpected expenses can take you backwards if you have not set aside a buffer account. So that's a great account to set up is a buffer account. And that's why it's good to have different accounts for different purposes. And you should really shop around for accounts with low bank fees or no bank fees because money can be eaten up by bank fees too. So it's really good to know what your bank fees are when you open up a new account and they will vary between different banks. You may even want to use a prepaid visa or MasterCard to make regular deposits into to use that as a buffer for big unexpected items. So just make sure though that you're not carrying that card around with you on a day-to-day -day basis so that you avoid that temptation that is going to be there for using that money on that visa card or MasterCard for 
one of those impulse buys. So best keep that card separate and keep it at home somewhere, store it somewhere safe and just have it there for those buffer expenses that were unexpected. All right. Now, this next one might seem obvious, but I know it is one I have done so many times. So just don't go to the supermarket on an empty stomach. If you have done this before, then you'll know, you know, how many more items will find their way. Somehow they find their way into your trolley because you're hungry when you go shopping. So um, as I said, I've done it many, many times before, but it's a really great habit to get into to make sure when you go after the supermarket, have something to eat before you go because you're more likely to stick with your shopping list and a shopping list will help you to save some money too. That's another uh, trick with the going to the grocery store or the supermarket is to have a shopping list and try and stick to your shopping list so that you're not getting non-essential items. So you might also look at planning your menus around seasonal fruit and vegetables, okay? You can save a lot of money on your grocery bill just by eating what is in season because what is in season is always cheaper than fresh produce that is not in season. And if you don't mind getting things that are close to the use-by date, then you can save money by picking up markdown items. And you might also like to shop at a bulk food supplier where you can save money on buying long shelf items in bulk. So these are just a few tips to save some money. Another thing you might like to try is buying things secondhand. So I actually built business off um, finding and reselling secondhand items that were vintage, antique and specialty items. Because I'm so good at finding quality things secondhand, it has really spoiled me for retail shopping these days. But the other great thing about buying secondhand is that you are recycling, which is a great thing for the environment. So you can do something towards saving money and saving the planet at the same time just by purchasing secondhand items. And as I said at the beginning of this episode, it is super important to work out what you are saving for. By getting clear, by getting specific, this will help you to get great at savings. When you know you are good at saving money, you will get reassurance that you are able to improve your financial situation, that you're able to rebuild your life, that you are good at managing your money and that you can achieve your savings goals to have the things that really matter most to you in your life. Okay, now it is your turn. So what I want you to do is I want you to go to the Money Mindset Journal and Freedom Planner in the episode notes, and I want you to print off the savings tracker page. Once you have done that, I want you to set yourself a savings goal. If you want to set more than one goal, that's absolutely fine. Just 
print off more pages, okay? Okay, so now I want you to write down your savings goal onto the page and you can also say where you will put this money. Will it be in a cash envelope? Will it be in a new bank account? Will it be in a fixed term savings account? Will it be in a prepaid Visa or MasterCard? Whatever you decide, write it down on the form and stick with this, okay? So if that means having to put on your to-do list, opening up a new account for this purpose for, of saving for this goal, then put it on your to-do list and make sure that it gets done. Remember to make your first goals small enough for you to achieve easily so that you will gain confidence in your ability to set savings goals. Then you can fill out the sheet as you go so that you can see your savings growing and getting closer and closer to your goal. I am super, super excited for you to transform your relationship with money and to see the satisfaction that you get from seeing how capable you are of saving for important things and how much better you are getting with managing your money. Now, remember, it is money is just a tool for living. And the idea is for you to close the door on money worries and for you to feel like a warrior, strong and capable of taking on whatever financial challenges that you might be facing. So if you are listening to this and you are still in an abusive relationship and the lack of money that you have right now is keeping you stuck, please know that there are organisations who can help you access funding to make that very difficult step to break away from an abusive person. You don't have to wait until you have enough money to make this possible. The first place to start is to talk to a women's domestic violence counselling service in your area and let them know that you do not feel safe in your home because your partner is making you feel unsafe and let them know that you have not been able to leave because you do not have enough money and they will help you and they will let you know what choices you have. So please don't let the lack of money keep you stuck where you are not safe. My primary message to you is that your safety comes first, closely followed by your sanity and that everything, including transitioning out of an abusive relationship, is figureoutable. You just need to seek support from the organisations that have the funding to help you. You can use the tools from the Money Mindset Journal and Freedom Planner at any time, no matter if you are still in that relationship or if you have broken free and you are looking for ways to rebuild your life. I hope that this helps you and remember you can do this. Sending you light, love and blessings. Stay well and stay safe. We all go through dark times. When we do, we often feel alone. This is a safe space for you to come and look for some light. I'm a survivor of an abusive relationship and for a long time I had no voice because I was too scared to speak up and speak out about what was happening to me. 
I couldn't see a light at the end of the tunnel. But when I turned a corner in my life, the light started filtering through and I left my old life behind. I am here now to help other women feel seen, heard and valued. I'm reaching out with my light shining on you to help you find your way out of the darkness. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. A note of encouragement. If you are struggling with your mental health, please reach out for support with some form of counselling. If you don't know where to start to find a counsellor, a good place to start is to talk with your doctor. There are also many online counselling supports available. And a word of advice, if the counsellor is not a good fit for you, try another. And if you need to, try another until you have one that is the right fit for you. Tune in again for the Tiara's Tears and Triumphs podcast, helping women who have been hurt to heal and grow, hosted by me, Sandy J. This program provides a safe place to work on inner peace and a strong mindset, spells out how to spot the red flags, advises on ways to stay safe and work on effective safety planning, gives tips on how to look after you when things are tough, teaches empowerment strategies, acknowledges life's challenges and explores ways to meet these challenges head on, to go from surviving to rising to striving and finally to thriving. The show includes interviews with other survivors who have come out the other side, who share their stories and insights, as well as interviews with therapists and people working in support roles. I am a survivor and I use my experience and skills to help other women like me. Please listen and be uplifted to rise in this safe space where dignity, kindness and compassion are treasured. And don't forget, if you need some support, I am here for you. I don't want any woman to suffer alone in silence. I don't want any woman to feel oppressed and feel that there is no way out. I want you to know that you can turn a corner. I am a life change facilitator. I help women regain control over their lives. You can find me at sandyj.com.au. Hey now, can you just pause a moment before you go? Because I need you to share your light and leave a review. Can you just take a quick minute to leave a review in iTunes to let other women know this is a show they can trust? It would mean the world to me if you could help shine a light for someone who can't see the light at the end of their tunnel. I need you to do this for someone else who needs some support and encouragement. If you like this show, please subscribe and you will automatically be updated with future episodes when they are released. 
And please share this podcast with anyone you know who it might help. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Sending you lots of love and light and above all else, wishing you well. You are brilliant. Keep shining. Stay safe. Sandy.